This is Body Talk, where we explore your inner universe. I love conversation and I love curiosity around new things. So this was really important to me to have something that, again, gets people exposed to different areas than they might have thought they knew about. Welcome to another edition of Body Talk. Today, I'm very happy to have as my guest, friend of the show, Lori Nemitz. She has a new book out called The Myofascial System in Form and Movement. And it is worth your time and attention. And there's going to be a discount in the show notes. Anybody who orders direct from the Singing Dragon website will get 25% off their copy of the myofascial system. And that's good until the end of February. But don't wait until the end of February because you're going to want it sooner than that. Promo code is NEMITS23. It'll all be in the show notes. Something else that's going to be in the show notes is I want you to join me. I want to go into the matrix and I want you there with me. More importantly, with my friends, Rochelle and Nicole, who run Anatomy Scapes, one of the most forward-thinking anatomy labs out there. They do beautiful work. And we are going to spend two days, March 8th and 9th, in sunny San Diego, taking a journey into the matrix. You can take the red pill and the blue pill. You don't have to choose. We're going to be looking through the entire fascial system on a fresh tissue specimen from the finest, most gossamer superficial level, all the way down to the deep thickenings of the IT band and beyond. Macroscopically, microscopically, you'll be able to get your hands on it. Your conceptualizing of it will change. Your palpation skills will change. It's an incredible, incredible opportunity. And there's a promo code for that too, because if you put in promo code FOD28, you're going to get 28% off the price of the workshop. We're talking about 350 bucks. How can you beat that? And I'm going to be right there, lab coat and scalpel with you as a student, refreshing my own memory banks because you got to do that once in a while. You got to keep that sense of awe and wonder alive. And I can't think of a better way to do it than with my friends at Anatomy Scapes. I hope you'll join me. Now, let's get to today's guest, author of the myofascial system in form and movement. Laurie Nemitz. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Body Talk. Today, we have my friend and friend of the show and newly christened author, Laurie Nemitz. She's just come out with a fantastic book called The Myofascial System in Form and Movement. And I'm biased because I wrote the foreword, but I had to bring her on so we could discuss this book and what makes it unique in the world of movement, in the world of the myofascial system, and all those things. Lori, welcome to Body Talk. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be back here. The thing that struck me with this book is that it really is the totality of Lori. Some people know you <laughs> as a yoga teacher. Some people know you as a dance and movement specialist. Some people know you as an amazing dissectionist. You also have a deep appreciation in art history, specifically anatomical. Uh, your photography 
I'm a big fan of your photography. If you don't follow Lori on Instagram, you should. There'll be a link <laughs> in the show notes because her eye for form and detail is fantastic. Uh, and all of this is in there. And on top of it, you've got additional contributions of different viewpoints from about three dozen different people. That is a massive amount of work. <laughs> It definitely, definitely was more than I probably uh, bargained for in the beginning, but I was just like so pleased that so many of these people in here, like I said, I asked people and they said yes. And I was so thrilled to have them as part of this whole piece. Now, the rule is that you always ask more people than you need because some will say no. Did anybody say no? <laughs> No, <laughs> no. Okay. So I ended up having a lot more people. Sometimes I had to edit a little bit because I was like, uh oh, um, we got to get all these great voices in there. But I also the people I asked, I really did ask a quite diverse group from different areas, um, especially in the fashion world movement. But, you know, and there's art, art people in there, too. There's everything. Yeah, else. There's a lot of names that were brand new to me. And that was yeah. cool. And it's exciting because then I think one of the things, as you know about me, that I find always really important, I love conversation and I love curiosity around new things. So this was really important to me to have something that, again, gets people exposed to different areas than they might have thought they knew about and have conversations with each other. So that was that was part of the the full thing around the book. So that was there I, from the beginning. It was there from the beginning. Wow. And I've always had a passion, you know, for finding the unexpected <laughs> and, and then going down those rabbit holes too. But we've discussed this before, but, you know, back in the day when you went to a record store or a CD store and you put on that pair of headphones and you were exposed to something you never heard before it was exciting because there was something that, you know, was unexpected that maybe becomes something new and important to you of how you integrate that. These days, um, there's a lot of algorithms out there in the world. So you, I'm my phone is always guessing what new piece of kayak gear I might want to buy or something <laughs> of that sort. Mm -hmm. But it it doesn't sometimes allow us to wander as much into new areas i miss video stores yeah yeah yeah. i hate there is not a single i don't care which streaming service it is there is not a single one i enjoy looking at i miss being able to browse browsing is really good and finding things and the ironic thing is we call it a browser that's what they call your you know whether it's google or whatever whatever you're using to search the internet it's called a browser but that that's that's a lie let me tell you boys and girls i miss browsing going oh what's this oh wow i i think this might be something i might enjoy and you know sometimes you're wrong <laughs> uh but you know it's the video store was around the corner it it's not hard to take it back. And so, so you're out a couple of bucks. It's not the end of the world, but sometimes you find some gems that you would never have been exposed to otherwise. You know, it's great. Like for example, when song of the cell came out, uh, which just came out in November that Amazon pushed that to me because I didn't know about it. So there are good aspects of it, but you don't, these serendipitous discoveries, 
uh, are less commonplace unless you're actually going to a store and interacting with people who work there, if there even is a store to interact with. Yeah. Your book allows us to interact. It allows us Thank to browse you. as we go Thank through you. it. Yeah, interact is is a good thing. And, you know, I mean, obviously podcasts can do that too. I was, besides yours, which we'll say lots of lovely things about, um, I was <laughs> on the you. trail. A lot of you know, I, I am out on the trail running or walking daily, but I was listening to an episode of Radio Lab. and funny you mentioned the cell, but there was the question posed by somebody, a listener, what is the average size of a thing in the universe? Isn't that a great question? So they head on a bunch of in these- In the universe? In the universe. Okay. <laughs> in the universe. Wow, that's some, all right. So they, they started to look mathematically. There's something called a plank, which is, you know, uh, negative whatever of meters in the, you know, that is a known thing and all these other things. And they kept coming up with this size, which was actually the size of a cell, speaking of cells. And it was poetic in a lot of ways, but what a wonderful question. To That's think. the average? Yeah, a lot smaller than you would think. Wow. So are we not seeing things in a deeper way that maybe we're missing? We're thinking, you know, it, it was interesting. Go look wow. up Radio Lab. I don't want to misquote. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, this. okay, I got, I got one for you. I got one for you. This is the sort of thing that gets me excited. Is Do you know what the average size wow. person is? <laughs> average height seriously seriously actually i don't know offhand five foot two five foot two i'm tall i am too <laughs> i'm like i'm five foot eight man. maybe five foot eight and a half i'm like i'm up there <laughs> <laughs> yeah so these sorts of things when you come across sometimes these you know random bits of of things gets you thinking about how do I apply that? What does that mean? What is, you know, application to all of these things? So even for my book, I wanted it to be very visual so that, again, somebody flipping through it might find an image and go, okay, why is that image there? What is that about? And then start to read and, and dive into that deeper or catch somebody's old thought process box or something else and start to think about, okay, what does that mean? That's an area I don't know a lot about. Um, because I think when we stay in our own little lanes or our own little silos, we keep thinking the same way. But science, communication, all of these things thrive on creativity. We as humans, I think, thrive on creativity. And, you know, it's interesting to me because obviously we're coming through these last couple of crazy years um, that even thinking back on, on what employers got wrong, I think they've, they missed understanding how much people want to be relevant and to communicate with each other. And that these sorts of things were really important, um, even as we have gone into a world of kind of deeper isolation. Mm -hmm. So good communication can really spark some ideas and go and contribute towards health. And I think that's a really interesting way of um, going about things. If we don't have these conversations with other people, you know, we, we don't expand our, our little center of being into something more rich. Yeah. One of the doctors I work with, uh, UPMC has his five points to have a healthy life. And it wasn't like he was trying to, uh, 
trying to come up with a, a formula, but number four is social connections. Yeah. There's like the five things you need to have, to have health. Social connections is one of them. And that got massively disrupted. I, I, and I see people I suspect for whom it is still disrupted for. And as we were talking earlier, before we started recording, uh, you and I did not have the luxury of time during the <laughs> pandemic knew. because I, my department was closed for two months and then we were back open in May of 2020, hands-on uh, doing it, not the way we always did it, but we were one of the only outpatient uh, pain management clinics in town. And I'm talking about acupuncture, chiropractic, structural integration, myofascial therapies, all that stuff. And you did not stop teaching, did you? No, not at all. And I had to pivot what, how I taught. So, you know, I'm a university professor. I also do a lot of privates and private classes. Um, but going from being a very hands-on in-person <laughs> teacher to figuring out how to communicate across Zoom, how to have lighting, have space make sense to somebody watching something across the screen, how to communicate, how to make sure my students were staying engaged and interested, um, what feedback I could take in from small cues that are different, obviously on video or audio completely than, than we see in, in person. So I was, and yeah, I was doing a pivot around and working the whole time. I mean, as I was writing the book, um, as you know, there was a lot of people near and dear to me at that time, too, that were going through hospitalizations, nothing to do with COVID, but just thing after thing kept happening. So there was a lot, a lot going on. <laughs> to yeah, and you managed to still get this book done with, <laughs> with having to relearn how to do your job. Uh, deal with 36 separate mini authors, and I'm not talking size, but I've edited a book and I know yeah, what under five foot two. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think we just invented a new category of prejudice. It's sizeism. Okay. All right. No. I'm going to get on that right now. Uh, what surprised you? What were some of the surprises? What surprised me about the process or how it came out or any of that? Uh, about the process. I mean, things that you discovered along the way while you were writing or things that you discovered from some of the contributors you solicited. They were like, oh, wow, that. Um, yeah, there, there were so many that had, like I said, I knew them, I knew their work, but there was a lot of good ahas. And as you know, as well, the book, pivoted a lot during this time period from being around, you know, again, focus system to, to these broader areas. And I loved having people like Neil Thies in there talking not just about some of the topics we know about, but some of the broader areas of application, how he thinks a little bit mm -hmm. as a scientist um, and how that connection comes into play. So there's, there were a lot of different things when it, those came in, I, you know, I chased after a couple people too, where I saw an image or something that I was like, can you be in my book? Um, Laura Ward, who's somebody uh -huh. most people don't know about, but she has the plate that starts the second section of my book. And she does a lot with pictures mm -hmm. applying Laban movement analysis to movement. And here it was a shape that we utilize kind of looks like a tensegrity structure utilized in Laban work as well, but also 
put into a painting and an expression that was just so beautiful. I knew I wanted that in the book. So there were other things like that I came into. And the conversations I had throughout were really enriching as well. Because like I said, people didn't say no. They were more than happy. They would give me sometimes multiple images to choose from or decide, you know, here's 50 images. And then I go, okay, we're going to choose four. Yeah, it's good. It's <laughs> good to have options. It's good, it's to, have good options. to have options and to think about how, how that was going to be presented in there. One of the things I really like about this book and uh, spoiler alert, I, I reference it this way in the forward is that it's kind of a choose your own adventure kind of book about the myofascial system and movement and shape and science. And I actually think it should be read that way. So you can feel free to dive into it in, in any way that you see fit. And there's so much to explore that I, I can't see anybody not having a good time with this book, even if there's some things in there that they're like, well, I'm not really sure that that speaks to me, but oh, here's this other thing that really does speak to me. And that makes it really unique in my experience. I've never read anything quite like this. Great. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled to, you know, um, have you say that, especially since you are my forward author. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing that you like it as well. Um, but definitely it's, it's something I really am finding interesting as people flip through my, my preview copy of finding out where they decide to land, you know, definitely to see what images really make them go, wow, this is exciting. Why is this here? And maybe my husband too is very um, intimate with the book as well uh-huh. as our spouses become in these sorts of things said too, that was one thing that struck him too, because some of the, you know, the deeper dives into some of the fascial anatomy, you know, he's, he's glossing over a bit, but some of it also he's, he finds really interesting is why these images together and then goes, aha, this is, this is really interesting, makes him stop and pause. So that's, you know, the type of thing I want to have in there as well, that people see something that sparks also, well, you know, what's that about that catches, it's almost like catching my ear at a, that the dinner conversation that, mm-hmm. oh, okay, what was that about? Let's go there deeper. Let's have a little bit more of a conversation. And some of this, again, what I'm hoping is, you know, you go, okay, I've read, you mean this little breakout box, or I've seen this image, I want to know more. There's then, you know, pointers to going deeper into other people's work or are going into that. But it's it's meant to to get you in conversation with a lot of different ideas at once. Yep. So I, I have to ask you, as 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 an author myself, uh, what what unique challenges did putting this together hold for you? Because, again, it's not a like I said, it's not a conventional uh, edited uh, chapter by this person, chapter by that person. It's all woven together to make kind of a gestalt. And that's, again, that's not easy. I'm sure the layout alone. Was, <laughs> layout was <an> alone. <laughs> and thank goodness for, you know, Handspring and, and Singing Dragon. And as you, many of you know, on your audience list, there was, um, Handspring was bought by Singing Dragon during this time too. So there was 
changing of different people at that time. They've been great. But yeah, I had a fight for layout going, no, no, I, I really want this image by this part of the text. That's important to me. Or um, as you mentioned, it's like I have all these different people in this book. But what I also had to you know, kind of manage is I thought, okay, this is going to make it easy. I have this rich <laughs> amount of people coming all in. As you well know, I, it, it's not so easy because I had to edit things. I had to edit heavily on, on some people's just to also fit the overall rhythm of the book and bring that back and forth in dialogue with them mm -hmm. and also decide on, okay, which, which images are going to be important. I mean, you can't make such a massive book as it is. The book's 215 pages, mm -hmm. <laughs> not substantial, but you know, you want to also have it um, not balloon into something massive. So actually that was a much more entertaining process than I might've expected. Um, yeah. To be able yeah, to figure I, that piece I, out. I love the fact that on the Amazon page for your book right now, it says it's 240 pages, but I think uh, when they did the data entry, they made a mistake because it says it weighs 14 and a half pounds. <laughs> I've been trying to get them to correct that. So, it so it's a it's, it's a movement book you can use as an yeah, exercise you can tool use it for or a murder weapon. <laughs> but it doesn't weigh that much. I will <laughs> attest to the fact. It's I have one very lightly in one yeah. hand. Right and, now. and I have to say, I, I, I appreciate that attention to detail because when layout and design people are, are working to, to typeset these things, they're not always thinking about how images need to land on the page with the text for the reader. They're just trying to make it look good on the page. And that's, that, that's, a, that's a really, that can be a very challenging negotiation to have because sometimes it can't work because of spacing and paging and other issues and in choosing exactly where and when, like sometimes it's okay to turn the page and there's the illustration. Sometimes it has to be right there when they read the words. Exactly. Exactly. And because I do have so many of these little different, you know, breakout boxes, movement experientials, whatever else in there, you know, we didn't want text to break up in between some of these places. So I also fought really hard for that so that things, you know, work logically together. That was that was important to to me for the reader. And images are such a big part of the book. Um, yeah, but something as you mentioned, some of these images, partly because, you know, I'm I'm a cheap model, so I, I'm in there. <laughs> okay, um, don't get really the wrong realistic. idea. Okay, don't get um, the wrong idea, listeners. <laughs> I have gorgeous illustrations from a lot of my contributors. Like, and then there's the cheap model over there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, Mike Fitch and Michelle Delcor, and you know, mm -hmm. some of their systems, all of these things, they also provided me amazing photography. But I also wanted to use images from nature out on the trail to think about things like, you know, again, branching and everything else. I have um, a beautiful image of there in there too, talking about glial cells from my brother-in-law who works in lab in Chicago. And this is part of his research. So there was a lot of interesting places where I could 
source different images, but it, it's time consuming. There's a lot of historical anatomy that I wanted to have to enhance that feel for the reader, as well as some of dissection from my own lab with K&M Labs. There's um, a lot of different visuals in this book too, to grab your attention. And it does that very well indeed. Anything else we want to inform the listeners about your book, other than the fact that podcast listeners, there will be a link in the show notes to get it direct from the publisher with a discount for listeners to Body Talk, although you're free to go on Amazon and do it there too. You know, again, the richness of all these different people, I really want to thank them because it's that conversation and sparking into to different areas that I find so interesting. I love in some ways that the book opened up to bigger conversation and maybe a bigger thought process too. And, and I think we need to be having those bigger conversations. I, I love medical history. I love science history in general. And I've recently taken a deep dive into the history of quantum mechanics and how the, the science of quantum mechanics, the math works, but there's a dozen or more different interpretations of what that actually means. Hmm. And it feels, and it's just as ego-driven as many human <laughs> endeavors can be. And I'm feeling that way a little bit in the fascial world. There's all these different interpretations of the same data. And I'm really trying to foster more of an openness to the ideas that don't necessarily jibe with mine. And I ask that in return of others too. Well, I don't really see it that way. You see it this way. Why do you see it this way? I see it that way because that sparks the creativity that keeps the conversation going. If we're only talking to people that we already agree with, it's wonderful reinforcement, but after a while it gets a little boring. That is the curiosity and the creativity that we really need to stay vibrant. This is so, so very important. I I want to have those broader conversations or have those aha moments. I think what's so key and important, you can disagree with other people. And this is called dialogue when it's done <laughs> respectfully. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> and we've forgotten this these days. Yeah. Um, so I think any book, you know, again, especially anything that roots itself in some science, there's so much we know about fascia, but there's so much we don't know about fascia as well. And I think that you have to keep it real and be honest about what are, you know, what's known and what is conjecture, what is thought process. It's a revelation, I know, for a lot of people to realize there are different systems of connection of myofascia, some of which have been around for a very long time, some of which overlap. To me, that's not diminishing one system. It's almost going, aha, this is really interesting. This looks a lot like that other person's line. What's that about? Why are these two things overlapping? Um, another example of that is, you know, Laban's work in the movement world. He used um, a lot of shape to express movement qualities. They really look like Buckminster Fuller's, you know, basic tensegrity structure. Mm -hmm. They were contemporaries. We do not know if they um, really ever had conversation together, but sometimes we see in art and science and other ideas, these overlaps. 
And how fascinating when we find them and, and can kind of wonder, well, why, why do these things look similar to each other? Um, so I think that's seeming part of it all too, I think is a really important piece of it. But I also am looking at, you know, it was an aha to me to look at some of these pictures and go, wait a second, there's some similar systems and ideas in other people's work. That also, that's exciting. That's exciting to go, why, why do we see patterns that repeat themselves in different things and what can we learn from it? That was one of the foundations of my first book was there wasn't, there wasn't the math for what I was writing about. But I had to look at all this different research from all these different areas, all kind of pointing at the same things and saying similar things about it right. that were pretty consistent in their similarities. That is how science works very often. But you know, you were also, I just want to point this out, you were one of the main dissectors for the Freya project uh, yes. for Body Worlds in Berlin. <laughs> so you, you, you were like there for a whole month at one point, right? Yes, over over a month in Germany for that one. Yeah. Oh my God. So, so what sort of connections did you make doing that? That blew your mind. I have a lot of people sometimes who've asked me for kind of behind the scene information on what insight would you give about <laughs> or what would you teach or what would you do, and uh -huh. I'm happy to say all that. But I also almost always say. Freya then is so much more than just what you see. It's everything I know or I experienced as well that has gone into that. So um, are you saying Freya is more than the sum of her parts? Yes, I am. <laughs> okay. It's partly this woman who is a donor and what she brought to the table, but it's also all of us who came around and from all over the world who were dissectors, it's skill set, it's idea thinking in there. It is, you know, all of these different things, the background of all the advisory committees and their ideas and thinking that also came into it. You know, again, I mean, dissection is so much like artwork. It's partly what we choose to reveal and what we take away. It's still, it's not, of course, it's not the whole picture. Can I? Never be the whole picture. And I mean, looking at Freya, a lot of people seeing her can appreciate different levels, but I like to remind people it's also all the people that worked around it and the people at the Plastinarium and the amazing talents that have gone into that whole process so that it becomes, yeah, indeed, it's a little cliche, but uh, bigger <laughs> than just adding up all those little different pieces together. Just a, such a lovely collaboration, I would have to say, with all different people. I mean, again, Gary Carter and Vladimir Cherminsky is probably the biggest names to um, give shout outs to there, Vladimir, again, being, you know, the head at the Gubin Plastinarium for the anatomy and everything else. And Gary also doing the major force of the design work along with him and all the teams. It's everybody. It's everybody's skill set that came into that and had a voice in there. And there's some people, as you know, in the fashion world who are like, well, this isn't everything about fashion. Of course not. Yeah, it can't. We can't. Be. It can't, we be. can't. But we have to make some choices in some different places to see something else. And I think that's the exciting thing about that whole project, too. Yeah. And for the listeners who may not know, uh, Freya is on permanent exhibit 
at the Body World's main museum in Berlin, which is a tremendous, tremendous accolade for the results that you and the team got in creating this one-of-a-kind fascial-focused plastinate. And having seen her in person, <laughs> it, it was more astonishing than I could have imagined. And I had seen plenty of photos long <laughs> before I actually saw the definitive article. So if you're in Berlin, you gotta go. If you're near Berlin, you should go. Just go. That's a big step forwards again in showing the importance of fascia, of myofascia, of, of all of that in our world to a larger public. And fascia has really gone in and out of, you know, fashion, <laughs> in and out of favor, um, in and out of, you know, aiming our representations in the anatomical world. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so of course, things like bourgeoisie, Jacobs and bourgeoisie had these beautiful images um, from that the have 1860s, the 1880s. And yep. Some of these things from way back too are showing some of what we're seeing and putting a value on now, partly because dissection techniques have shifted and changed over the years. And also what we name, we see differently, which I've always found really fascinating. That's in the book too, because I became so fascinated about this, this other book called The Lost Words, which I think you've, you've heard of as well. Image I'm not familiar. No, book. I'm not familiar with it. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. It's an imagery book that has to do with um, the author finding that the Oxford English Dictionary for children was taking away some very common words like dandelion, like all these other kind of, you know, nature words uh -huh. as being not important anymore. And wow. so the picture book is kind of an ode to all of these things, a spell book, if you will to name these things so they're not forgotten. Because we see over and over in the psychology world as well, what we understand or can name or conceptualize is important. If we don't have that in our sphere, it starts to shrink. And that's another big area for me too, is just environmental space. How do we, how do we negotiate space and, around and us? You actually opened the book okay. with, with a really nice, dive into that concept of environmental space. Uh, and in your personal life, I don't want to spoil anything for the readers, but it's uh, <laughs> it's really good. But so what you're saying is what we name things, how we choose to name things can make a difference in our perception of the thing we're naming. And I don't know why, but when you said that, my brain just went to Fred the Comet. <laughs> like, oh yeah, that's just Fred. Is he goes, oh yeah, okay, yeah. We would have a much more casual relationship with Fred the Comet than you know, uh, stellar object. Blah 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 blah. But you know, that's I'm, I'm always intrigued by the difference between anatomy and astroscience uh, because <laughs> I find that astroscience names things for what they appear to be like. Oh, there's a black hole in space. What are we going to call it? Let's call it a black hole. Um, we tend to make anatomy really freaking complicated. We do and we don't. We just put Latin and Greek over top of it. So think about mm. things like like salad dressing process. It's the crow's beak. So right, 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 right. Name it in a fancy mm. different language that makes it sound inaccessible. But if we dive into understanding that language, then then it's a lot of descriptions. There's you know 
uh, ditches and sticky outy bits and everything else are named that, but they're just called that in Latin yeah. or Greek. So we're not we're not going to get the, the ligament of Bernard. Uh, <laughs> but no, that's I'm, a whole other thing. <laughs> I'm looking over here at my library, the secret language of anatomy. Yeah, I don't know if you yeah, have yeah. that one. Yeah, which uh, was James, our friend James Earls, which is also in the book. book. He's yeah. amazing. He has mm -hmm. a couple of pieces in the book. He's a great, great, great guy. Great knowledge. Great friend. Absolutely. Not born to walk and again his foot book that he recently came out with is spectacular as well indeed yeah. as is your book just a reminder to the listeners there will be links in the show notes to get it direct from the publisher and a discount for body talk listeners Lori nimitz thanks for being on the show today thank you so much and um, hopefully we'll have many more conversations to come see you next time on all right talk. thank you so much <laughs> Hi, thanks for listening to this installment of Body Talk, where we explore your inner universe. I'm author, structural integrator, and podcaster, in case you didn't know that part, David Lasondek, thanking you for tuning in. If you keep listening, I will make sure that this show is worth listening to. Hey, stop what you're doing right now. No, don't stop listening, but please go to the show page on wherever you get your podcasts give the podcast five stars. It really makes a big difference. You want to get a little crazier? Go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com backslash Body Talk Radio. Become a contributing member of Body Talk for less than a latte a month. It really helps out a lot around here. And until then, take care of yourself because you're the only you you have. This is David Lasondak. The music you're hearing, as always, is by David and the Disasters. We'll see you next time here on Body Talk. Body Talk.